This episode is powered by Tom DeLeo Day Financial Planning Services. On today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Well, my father wasn't there for me. And, you know, like, um, I was not worth it enough for him to fight like tooth and nail to have the kind of relationship. And sometimes that's not even what it is. And, you know, in our young minds, we don't understand that the system is really not set up for men to get the same kind of um, treatment as women does. It just isn't. That's the reality of it. And so it just feels like a rejection to the child. And sometimes, you know, if the if the mom is exposed and the child finds out, then it could be a situation where, wow, all this time my father was trying and my mom was blocking it. So it's like. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. The Tribe Vibe is a twist on ladies' night, focusing on self-care for black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. Like it can go either way, I've seen both. And I've seen fathers like really be almost devastated and not understanding what they can do and feeling like, you know, there's no hope until the child gets to be a certain age. And sometimes when that child gets to be a certain age, they can either decide to engage or not. And now they have that autonomy where it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to you because, you know, you could have done something earlier and you didn't. Mm. It's like... It's it really can and it's hard either way. It is. Um, 
what would you suggest to a parent who's on the other end of it, who has tried, but they're just waiting on, I don't know, for the child to get it? Um, That's heavy. It is heavy. What I typically say is that not to stop trying. That's the first thing that I always tell fathers. I tell them, don't stop trying because honestly, when your daughter gets to of a certain age, they will notice what's going on. They mm. will be able to see things. This is not always going to be what it's like where they're just blind to, to what their mom might be saying. So I tell them not to stop trying to reach out, reach out to their, to, to their daughter mm. rather. And then also like if there are some kind of alternate ways that they can communicate with a daughter that the mom may not be aware of until they can fix the situation so that they have more access, I typically tell them to do that. So that can look like email that may look mm. like your child has uh social media accounts and you're following each other and you speak to them in the dms you know what i mean like yeah. all of these things as like your kid that. gets older social media is a thing for them so if you're able to do stuff like that like you know sending them um quick videos and stuff like that of you telling mm. them how you feel and what you've been going what you've been I doing or whatever that. it is like you can do that on social media where it's just private you know what i'm saying like just they're seeing it and what have you this is my message to you and if you put them let's say you put them in that friends and family and your daughter or your son or whoever it is is the only person in friends and family they're the only person that's going to see this message that you put up on IG and so you can like message them back and forth in that way and still be able to be connected you know if mm -hmm. if you have the opportunity to be outside their school when you know they are they're coming home or something like that and you can take them for a quick bite you know like let me take you to mcdonald's let's chit chat or whatever while you're on your way home and stuff like that sometimes that's how you got to get it in until you're able to like get to a place where you have the kind of access that is that is legally allowed because right. sometimes, you know, it's like the courts are saying one thing, you know, and the parent is really trying to block that, even though the courts have given you access. Mm -hmm. So any way that you can connect with your child, and a lot of times as they get older, it's going to be through social media, I would say do that. Email yeah. them, you know, hop into those DMs, messages that only they can see, whatever it is, like voice notes all of that. Oh yeah. That's you know amazing. I mean? Like yeah. that, that's what I would suggest until, you know, the child is able to really do what they want to do where they can come and see you and stuff like that. And the mom can't really say very much about it. It could be 18, it could be younger, but that's what mm -hmm. I would say until then. Those are all great points. I, I love that. Um, so we're going to get into the, I could talk to you all day. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, uh, while we're talking, I can think, literally of four other topics I could have you on. Mm. <laughs> but um, so we're going to get into the emotional prenup. And I love to read your Instagram post, which is what oh, motivated sure. me, except for, uh, of course, Erica with us being on the same show. But so with Bernadette's Instagram, the emotional prenup is an agreement between couples outlining the guidelines for which they will communicate and resolve conflicts in their marriage. And um, you also made a note that it can be a safeguard for emotional capital in such a way that a traditional prenup protects their financial capital. I love that. That That's what really got me right there. And um, it is so eloquently said. So, <laughs> so um, 
yeah, let's get into the emotional prenup of it all. And before we do, you know, if you all are in, if you're enjoying the content, you know, I'm going to drop my cash app in the comment section. And, you know, it takes a lot to put these shows together. <laughs> and um, there you go. Damn. And if you would like to buy me a coffee, the link is dropped as well. And you can buy me a coffee and that shows your support for all the content that I produce on this lovely channel. <laughs> now, emotional prenup, Miss Bernadette. Talk to me. <laughs> okay. So emotional prenup, that concept is actually something that I heard when I was talking to um, my boy, Derek, and we were on his show with the, the other gentleman. So mm -hmm. Derek was talking about it and I was like, oh, what's an emotional prenup? I love, I just, I just want to put that caveat there. I really, really love when people use words that are used for something else and are able to liken it to like, you know, this thing over here. Too. So emotional prenup, my antenna went up. I was like, what is this? Okay. So when I looked up emotional prenup, I was able to find a little bit of information, but just in terms of like what information I found, I realized that what it is honestly is like a agreement that you have. Mm -hmm. with your significant other on how you guys are going to communicate when emotions are high. So mm. a lot of us, we understand that when we're in the honeymoon stage of our relationships, everything is good. Everything is Gucci. You know, we're loving on each other and what have you. But then what ends up happening is that down the road somewhere, you know, over yonder, we're going to have arguments. There are going to be disagreements that happen. There's going to be uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. And we want to decide when we are still in the honeymoon phase how we are going to handle things Ooh, when we're no longer there okay? i love when you said that when we are in the the honeymoon yes, phase yes that's the key to this because you don't want to you don't ever want to figure out what your what your plans are going to be like what your battle plans are or what your fighting strategy is going to be like in the midst of a fight yeah. like that's not when that that's helpful at all mm -hmm. because nobody has their head about them everyone is just in survival mode everyone is just trying to get their point across and no one is really listening mm -hmm. so if we can decide you know when we're happy when we're in this place when everything is peaceful what we're going to do when turmoil comes then when we get into those situations, we can remind each other, hey, we, we said that we were going to handle disagreements in this way and whatever that looks like for you. Here's the caveat to that, though, because mm. I, I spoke about this on my podcast. And what I am advising people to do is that you need to have an emotional prenup with yourself first. Before Girl, speak talk it. about what an emotional prenup is going to look like with somebody else. And th this right here, like this is honestly like the the meat of what my work is mm -hmm. understanding how you're going to do things with yourself first. How am I going to show up when I feel disappointed in myself? How am I going to show up when I have not kept a promise to myself? How am I going to show up when I feel like I'm just not doing what I need to do and what have you? How am I going to handle those things with me first? Mm. Because until you understand 
how you're operating, what you're planning to do as a result of these things, and just coming up with like how you're going to handle your own self emotionally, you're not going to be able to translate that to anyone else because the habits that you have with yourself, you take into your relationships with other people. So you first have to build those kinds of systems with you first and get used to doing that with yourself first get used to what it feels like to nurture your own self, to soothe your own self when things are going wrong, you know, to, to celebrate yourself in your happy times when you've accomplished something and to figure out, well, how am I going to deal with disappointments when I'm disappointed in my my own self? Those are the Mm -hmm. kinds of things that you have to deal with first. And once you're able to come to those kind of agreements with yourself, then you can move into, okay, well, this is how I can translate that with other people. Because you need to build up the capacity Mm -hmm. with your own self to deal with emotionally tough situations so that you can get out of the habit of not being able to deal with big emotions, you know, whether they are positive or negative, so that when you get into relationships with people, you're able to handle theirs. Because because a lot of people are not thinking about the fact that if you can't handle your own emotions, how do you think you'll be able to handle someone else's? Right. You're, exactly. You're not, you're not going to be able to handle someone else's. And so first, we have to deal with what does that look like for ourselves, And then we can start figuring out what is that going to look like with the other person? See, that, that goes back. You know, it's the running theme. I don't care how many episodes I've done or listened to the common denominator is finding your true authentic self. Mm -hmm. That's it. That is it. That's absolutely it. Yeah. Putting, taking the mask off and finding your true authentic self. Yes. And, um, you know, a good way to find that because I was that person, I'm still working on it. Well, what do you want in a man? Let me tell you what I don't want. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I don't, but we don't even know what we want, but we're so quick to list off everything quicker and longer list of what mm-hmm. we don't, but we innately don't know what we want for ourselves. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so triggered right now. <laughs> Where were you in my early dating career? Huh? Probably in the trenches with you. Look, okay. <laughs> Let's keep it real. All right. <laughs> oh my God. That is amazing. When you, you talk to your clients about this emotional prenup, what, what emotions do you get from them? Um, I get a lot of shock, number one. You know, there's there's a lot of confusion about what an emotional prenup is. And then there's also then the the not even understanding how to go about it. And so we do a lot of of work around just getting to the root of why they show up the way that they do, why the things that trigger them actually trigger them, and just kind of getting into like who they are, why Mm -hmm. they they are the way that they are, and um, why they attract the kind of people that they attract. So once we're able to get into that kind of work and I can kind of, you know, like draw the the line between what happened here when you were younger and what you're doing over here now as an adult, like there's a lot of aha moments that come. Like there's a lot of, wow, I didn't know that that's what it was. You know, like I've been trying to figure this out for so long. I've had a couple of clients tell me that um, 
they've been in therapy for two years and they have not gotten this kind of clarity than they've gotten with me. And I'm just like, that's amazing. Yeah. And to me, it's because I, therapy for me, I think is great because, and I think that it's, it's absolutely necessary, but what therapy does is allow you to come to conclusions on your own. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you really need somebody who is from the outside looking in to be able to tell you exactly what something is, like make the connection for you so that you can kind of see. And sometimes it then triggers you to go a little bit deeper. Sometimes we don't even know where to start. And with a lot of my clients, they have spent much of their life hiding behind something and putting Mm. things into a box. And so in order for us to even explore what's in the box, I have to find that box. And I'm only going to be able to do that when I speak directly to what I see happening. And Mm -hmm. so for me, like, you know, when I'm dealing with just trying to help my clients to get to what an emotional prenup looks like personally, before they even get into relationships, we do a lot of talking about, well, let's identify the feelings that you're actually having around the situation that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them don't even understand how to give voice to what the feeling is. You know, we, we talk about, like the big six feelings, you know, like we have the anger, we have the rage, the joy, the happy and stuff like that. But there's, there's layers to that. There's things that that we don't understand. Okay. I'm not feeling angry right now. I'm actually feeling embarrassed. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not really, um, it's not enraged that I'm feeling, but I'm feeling disrespected or I'm feeling like, you know, disillusioned or I'm feeling right. I'm feeling like, you know, somebody tried to, um, abandon me or whatever it is like, there's this layers to this. And so what I teach my clients how to do is to get to what the emotion actually is. And when we figure that out and they're able to really call it by its name, now we can start to get to work on, well, what is it that I would like to do not to feel this way? Whenever Mm. I feel this way, what would I like to see happen? And how much of that can I do on my own? And so now when we get to that, now these are the practices that you have to start doing with yourself whenever you feel these emotions. You're not always going to have the opportunity to bring somebody into what's happening to you to help them to soothe you. So how can I soothe myself? Absolutely. What can I do for myself in this moment? And I love figure out that. what that looks like and, you know, trying to figure out how to do it in healthy ways. It's not, I'm not going on a shopping spree every single time I feel, you know, a big emotion or we're not doing that because now your bank account is going to be wondering what's going on, sis, when it's time to pay bills. Like, what are we doing here? Right. So how else can we handle how you feel right now? You know, and when we get to that, that is what I teach my clients how to stick with. Okay, so you want to be able to self-soothe. This is how you can do that. Now, this is the practice that you actually need to put in place when these things happen. And the more you're able to do this, the more your body is going to respond to different ways to soothe itself. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to self-regulate. You'll be able to really feel like, okay, I can bring myself down without having to go have sex with some rando guy, without having to, you know, get drunk, without having to like, you know, eat like two pints of ice cream or spend a thousand dollars or go fly somebody somewhere um because I want to just escape like all of these stay things. out my business Bernadette look God. <laughs> okay 
<laughs> well, you know what you brought me on here to do. So okay, let's get into it. All right. <laughs> you are. I'm like, damn, did I give her my playbook? I didn't. <laughs> Oh my God. So yes. I just teach them how to do that and get into the habit of soothing themselves in healthier ways so that when it comes to them being coupled, now not only do you know how to help yourself when you feel this way, but now you can tell your partner exactly what you need in the moment. There's no there's no trying to figure out how you're feeling or what you need, babe. I feel this way. And I would really love it if you can run a bath for me so that I can just have some time to myself to kind of decompress or whatever. And then afterward, I would love to talk to you about how I feel right now, but I just need some time to, you know, like kind of just like get my feelings in order before I talk to you about it. Now, when we start using language like that, and we start communicating in that way with our partner, not only do they feel less anxious because they understand that what's happening um, with you may not be about them, but you've given them a clear solution that they can do right here in the moment to help you out. And they want to support you in that way. They want you to be happy. And men, anytime you can give them the cheat code on exactly what it is that they can do for you to make you feel better, trust me, they're going to do that thing. They're going to do it. So once I just let my clients know that, hey, like the men in your life who love you and who want to be there for you, they want to see you happy. They absolutely want to be the reason why you have that smile on your face. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to give them the solution to what you need right now, even if you're dealing with something emotional, and even if they don't deal on emotional levels like that, they want to deal with logic. If you're able to tell them exactly what it is, do you understand that not only does this make them feel so much more comfortable, but now they don't have a problem sitting and listening to what all might be happening with you. There's no anxiety around the situation. None of that is happening. They're it's a safe okay. space. They are exactly. It's You're helping space. them create a safe space for you. And they know that they can now bring their emotions to this place because you have learned how to regulate your own self to be able to receive when they want to start to share with you what's been mm-hmm. happening. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's creating the environment that you want. And we really need to learn the tools in order to do that. And I feel like a lot of us have this misconception that it's going to just come magically through osmosis, and it doesn't. You have to learn these kind of relationship tools. A lot of us did not see it growing up. And even if we did have a two-parent household, some of it may not have been expressed in the way that we want to see it, or we can actually like learn it. And so we have to learn this. And once we do, the quality of our relationships is absolutely going to increase because the safe space that you have always wanted in relationships, you're helping to create that with your partner. And you feel like you can be vulnerable here because you've been able to figure out exactly how you feel, what you need in the moment. You told your partner, they assisted you with that. Now you feel better enough for you to be able to speak about what it is. And they can now give you space to do that because they don't feel like something is going on and they're going to be attacked or something is up with them. So it's just it's a it's a new pattern that you want to create. It is. And I left the um Adrian's comment up. She said I find a concept of strong vulnerability to be very intriguing. Mm. You know, um I I love that because sometimes I feel that being vulnerable is weak. Yeah. 
and it's not it really you know, isn't people out here who don't cry like that's a human emotion but it comes out in different ways but mm -hmm. you know vulnerability is sexy i know on a man that is extremely sexy to me yeah. that we can effectively communicate with each other and i love the words you're using you're talking about increasing the safe space and it also increases your emotional intelligence how can it not rub off on your partner absolutely absolutely yeah and um i love what you said about finding your own self because it definitely is easier to ask for what you want. But you know, um, this is another reason why I am excited about dating again, because, you know, I've been working with a shadow coach. So have you heard of the uh, Johari's window? Mm -mm. So it's um, two, I guess they're psychologists. They came up with the concept of it. And it talks about, you have like your open self and it's just information that uh, you you know and you want others to know or your partner and then you have your hidden self and that's things about you that you know but you don't want other people to know or your mm -hmm. partner mm -hmm. and then you have the blind self and that's information about you or things you want in your relationship or whatever it is and you don't want to know others but others know about it. Does that make sense? Yes. And then this is the part I'm huge into learning now is the unknown self. And that's information that you or your partner don't even know that you want. Mm. And when I learned about that, I'm so, I'm, the subconscious is what I'm digging deeper into because I, I only know what I know. I only know what I see. Right. But something that's back here. Can you imagine the man that I'm going to attract? Because I'm attracting it to myself. Mm -hmm. And other ladies, you know, um, I talk with Tashara and Erica offline a lot. And we have some vulnerable conversations in our, in our uh, message thread that we have. And bringing it to ourselves, like, to our own selves, then to our friend group. Now it's spilling over into partners and uh, romantic yeah. partners. That's that's just amazing. And um, that's the exciting part of it. Because now when you become clearer, you know, you get coaches like ourselves or um, what was it? The autopsy, the relationship autopsy. Oh, the relationship autopsy. Yeah, that's my free training. <laughs> yeah, which we'll talk about that too. Mm -hmm. It makes it, oh, yeah, I guess it would make it easier because now you have more of a roadmap of what you want as opposed to just getting in your car and just driving on half a tank of gas. And you right. know how the hell to get from Georgia to California. You're just going to go on autopilot because that's what you think you know right Girl. right oh my god it's a lot it, it is, is a lot it um is. i i'm excited for your clients thank you yeah it's just we need more people like us it it, it will help yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it won <laughs> oh my god 
So do you approach the males and females a little differently when it comes to the prenup or is it just the one size? It, it kind of, it's fluid. Well, right now I just work with uh, women who are fatherless daughters, who identify as fatherless daughters. Um, I don't work with everyone, but if I was going to work with a man, I would approach the situation in the same way. We may... Um, we may talk about it differently because a man is not going to necessarily be as emotionally open as a woman would. If I'm discussing with her, I probably have to use more logic with him so that he understands, mm -hmm. but we would be getting to the same place. And it really is just finding out, okay, what is, what's the, the recipe or the cheat code for what we're going to do whenever we have um, a situation where you say something I don't like, or we have a disagreement or mm. vice versa, how are we going to handle that? So I would handle it in the same way because mm -hmm. I really just want them to get to the idea that when things are really great in your relationship is when you want to start to come up with the systems that are going to support your relationship when things are not so great. Right. It's not, it's not the time for you to do that when you're in the middle of having like some kind of crisis situation. And this is why people are always telling you, you know, that you want to prepare for the crisis before it comes. Like, you know, exactly. you've got your crisis bag. It always, it already has a copy of all of your important documents, like this, that, mm. and the other, like some money, you know, and all you got to do is pick up this bag and go whenever a, a situation happens like I that. Love that. Like, we need to be able to do that in the emotional spaces that we have in relationships with people. And this is what an emotional prenup would help, help them to do. You know, it, it's funny. You think about how everything is always uh, extrinsic. You know, like mm -hmm. if you're getting ready to have a baby, all right, you're right. Keep the baby bag ready. So when right. labor comes, we can go. But the intrinsic values, we don't touch. But, right. you know, but you don't and know. That's the stuff that spills out. Like it spills all over everyone, you know, like that. That's what dumps out onto things. And this is how we are able to ruin relationships that were really great that we were in because just not understanding how to handle these things. So it's it's just as necessary. It really is. So before we wrap it up, can we talk about your relationship autopsy? Oh, sure. Yeah. So the relationship autopsy is this free training that I conduct. And it is really just, um, it's a way for women to understand their patterns in relationships. And so what I have learned, like in the work that I do, that there are always going to be things that come up that mm -hmm. we may not be aware of. And mm -hmm. if you're able to sit down and really digest what has happened in your relationships and why, you start you're going to start to see a pattern. And when you see that pattern, it will help you to be able to identify how you've been showing up, what you need to do differently, mm -hmm. and figure out what tools you need to employ so that you can attract what you actually want. And mm -hmm. so it can also show you if you're in a relationship with a great guy and you tend to sabotage it because a lot of us do that as well. Can you and explain how a sabotage will look uh, subconsciously? We yeah. Can you do both consciously and subconsciously? Yes, I can. And I'll give my examples. You probably okay. get on the same one. So the example that I always give um, in terms of a woman sabotaging a relationship is let's say she's in a relationship with a great guy and um he, all of a sudden, 
the guy is like, okay, uh, I'm working on a really big project. And so I'm not going to be around as much as I was before. I'm going to be busy at work and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So her spidey senses are starting to like, you know, tingle now, like he's going to be busy more often than he was before. Does he really have another woman? Like what's going on? Like, I don't know if I like this and what have you. Mind you, the relationship is great. He's a great communicator. There's been nothing that should suggest that he would actually be out there trying to dip it and do it with other people. None of that. Mm-hmm. But these are the kinds of feelings that come up in her because she has never experienced a healthy relationship before. She doesn't know how to conduct herself in a healthy relationship because she's used to chaotic relationships. She's used to, um, yeah. to turmoil in her relationships. So anything outside of that is very foreign territory for her. So her system is already like, you know, like, I don't know what's going High on. alert. Here. Right. You know, it's already some kind of dysregulation happening with her system with being in the healthy relationship. So what happens now is she is going to start thinking to herself, okay, I feel like because he has said he's busy and I haven't seen him as much as I used to, I'm not um, experiencing him in the way that I typically do. Something must be wrong. And because something is wrong, I don't want to lose this relationship by it being ripped from underneath me. And so what ends up happening is that she starts saying to herself, you know what? I'm going to have to end this relationship before he does, because Ooh. this is this is a new dynamic here. I don't know what's going on and I don't I don't feel comfortable anymore. And so what she might do is that she may say something like, and this is where it becomes conscious. She may say something like, okay, I am going to tell him that I want to hang out this weekend and I'm going to drop very casually that there's this new restaurant that I want to try. And if this man does not say, hey, babe, let's go to this restaurant that I, I mentioned casually this weekend, Right. Then I'm going to know that he doesn't want to be in this relationship anymore. And this is going to be strike one. Mind Mm. you, she's not telling this man straight out that she would like to go to this restaurant over the weekend. Does he have time to go? She is like, you know, she has come up with this scheme in her mind. This is what it's going to be. And now it's like, okay, um, if he doesn't play into this or he doesn't figure it out, if he doesn't like try to get this Morse code that I'm putting out there, then I'm going to know something is up with him. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be like, you know what? Like I have to end this relationship. And so when things like that happen, where she starts dropping these little things, these little hints, but doesn't outright say what she wants and her man does not pick up on it, all of these things end up being like a drop in the bucket of what's wrong with this man. And so when that bucket gets full enough, then arguments start happening with this guy and this man is not understanding what's going on. He is not on the same wavelength as her. He has already told her that he was busy. He may legitimately be working and be busy. He has a project. He has a deadline that he wants to get to. And as soon as that deadline hits, he'll be back to being as engaged as he was before. Mm. But her fear-based responses of being abandoned before, of being in relationships where it looked just like what's happening here and what usually happened was that meant that the man was on his way out 
all of those triggers now are starting to come back to the forefront of her mind. And she's like, before this man even has the opportunity to leave me, because this is what's happened before, mm-hmm. where the rug has been just ripped from underneath me, I'm finna leave this relationship first. He's not gonna get me. And so it's like, it makes it even worse when you're dating like a guy who's like really on up and up and you have never right. been in a healthy relationship. All of those kind of triggers are like on high alert now. And so that is how she can do it consciously. How she can do it subconsciously is by questioning his um, authenticity, by questioning his intention, by not accepting what he wants to do for her as being just normal in the relationship and how he would like to treat her. Mm-hmm. Always rejecting his, you know, like advances or the way in which he would like to show her love. Like trying to, to be closed off when he's trying to really get to know her. Meanwhile, she wants to be deeply known. Like feeling <sighs> like the vulnerability that he is bringing out in her at wanting to peel away these layers and getting to know her it's too much for her so her wall goes all the way up and now he can't get around it and nothing that he's trying is bringing this wall down even though he's consistent he's loving he's showing her and telling her how he would like to be with her he's made his intentions known and all of that and because she's not experienced it before she may not be able to believe that what he's saying is actually what he's going to do because her experience has always been that people leave that mm. i end up always having to prove myself in relationships that you know like regardless of what i do i don't get what i want so when she's presented with this now it's too foreign her mind cannot compute the her brain is trying to figure out like where does this fit into all of the events that she's already experienced and because it fits nowhere a level of fear and anxiety is on 10 because mm. we don't know how to handle this. We don't know what to do with ourselves in this kind of situation. So I can't be here because I don't know what's going to happen. And I sabotage it, whether it is consciously or unconsciously, because although I want this, I don't know how to handle myself here. And what I know is what's familiar. And what's familiar is emotional unavailability, even wow. though that's not what I really want. So it's this cycle that has to be broken. It must be broken. Um, speaking of Erica and Tashara, I think it was earlier today, Erica had posted a little in our text uh, group about emotional uh, unavailability as well as being emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. And here we are in our 30s, 40s, 50s, whole adults, but we still have communication skills of when the trauma happened, whether it was a big T trauma or a little T, or even in your twenties, it doesn't matter. You're still stunted. So this whole scenario that you're, that you just said, um, and it's so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And I think sister to sister, she said that she used to do that. And if any of the ladies in this chat, if the scenario that Bernadette just said if it resonated put some light bulb emojis <laughs> but <laughs> we're we're adults but we are communicating like children mm-hmm. knowing what we want but because we don't know how we never went past that age so we just stay right there um adrian said you so i was laughing at that 
And he said, who is this man y'all talking about? I like to make him some shrimp and grits. Oh, not the grits, girl. Listen, it's an emotionally available man. An emotionally available man is who we're talking about right now. And they exist. They're out there. They're out there. Exactly. And so she has this whole scenario in her mind. And then it goes to, oh, men ain't shit. No, sis. Mm -hmm. The men that you're attracting aren't. That's the problem. It's the men that you're attracting that aren't. It's not all men. No. And you know, and the thing is, it's like nobody wants to understand or even accept the fact that you're the common denominator in all of your relationships. Yes. You know, that needs to compute someplace. If you're the common denominator, is something is happening there. Something is, is happening there. And you're not understanding that what you're accepting, because we're going to attract all kinds of things. But what are you accepting? And people typically accept what's familiar to them. Subconsciously fam- or consciously. Right. They accept what's familiar because you know what familiar is going to do. You know exactly how that's going to play out, good and bad. And you can accept that a lot of times. And right. so when we're, when you're with when you're healing now, it's now it's time to how do you unlearn all of that? How do you start to have like these new practices and these new systems in place to where even if you do attract that, you realize like, I know that that's not where I want to be anymore. So I'm not going to accept that. You're not going to jump on these things because they're familiar. You want something different. And sometimes it's going to feel foreign at first. You're going to feel like out of your skin. It's going to be like, oh, I don't even know what to do here. But as you're healing... And even as you're accepting relationships that are new, you can be honest about the fact that this is new to me. Like, let's take this Mm -hmm. slow. Let's discuss, you know, how we feel at each stage, because at least then you can go down this journey with another person. And he doesn't need to be like in the dark about like, you know, maybe why you may do things the way you do or feel the way you feel. You're Mm -hmm. being transparent about it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Erica said, and it goes, it piggybacks with what you just said. We have to make conscious decisions to not revert back to our childhood defense mechanisms. Yeah. And that, yeah. that right there, but that's hard. I mean, what she said is absolutely true. It's hard to do that. And so the one thing that I would say um, to that is that in order for you not to revert back to like your childhood defense mechanisms or coping mechanisms, you have to build a routine of resistance with yourself. Girl, you say have it again. You have a routine of resistance. And that routine of resistance needs to come with accountability. It needs to come with, what am I going to do when I feel triggered? It needs to come with, I need to have some like ready-made phrases already. I need to have like some, I have to have some cheat codes with myself because I'm telling you now, it is very, very easy to slip back into those old habits that you had, especially when you've been doing that longer than you've been having these healthy healing um, emotions and just, um, habits that you you're forming now Mm -hmm. so a routine of resistance is absolutely important and a lot of it sometimes might just be like okay i got a community of women that i can talk to whenever i feel like i'm on this ledge yes to this chat because i know that they're going to talk me off they're going to help me to figure out like what's really going on so that i can regulate my emotions again you know i may need to pray some people may meditate some people may journal some people might need to be out in nature because i know that that's going to calm me down and really be able to ground 
to figure out like what's actually happening, whatever that routine of resistance is for you, figure that out and, and be just honor yourself in that moment. Whenever you have these feelings, you feel triggered. Okay. I understand that I feel triggered right now. Why do I feel triggered? Let me try to figure this out and let me go and do this thing that I know is going to make me at least get back to myself, feel Mm -hmm. grounded enough to really be able to speak about why I felt this way or to call a name to the emotions that I'm having, whatever it is. But gather whatever you need to gather to put Mm -hmm. in your routine of resistance, because that is the only way that you're going to have the mental fortitude to be able to not revert back to what is very, very natural to you. And it's natural for us to be like who we were most of our lives. That that takes no practice and no thought at all. Exactly. Your routine of resistance. You know, um, (laughs) as a child, it was common to be small in the household. Mm -hmm. And it translated into a big mouth, but it wasn't effective communication. Mm-hmm. So I'm still playing small, right? And I was talking to someone and you're right. You just go right back because they said something. So now I'm very in tune. I'm watching and feeling my triggers. So as side note for anyone, if you're not sure about your triggers, you just listen to your body. Sometimes it physically comes out, but my trigger reaction was to Mm -hmm. be Mm -hmm. small. And it wasn't a huge conversation. It wasn't a big, but it was something small enough. And Marcel, use your voice. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Right. Use your voice. So um, that those feelings of going back, it's very real. It's, it's so real, but it's just like a muscle you just have to work on it even when you don't want to. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because working on the muscle is going to help it to grow. And the more it grows, the more you're going to be able to build the capacity to have the kinds of relationships that you have always yearned for. Mm-hmm. Because the thing about being emotionally stunted or emotionally unavailable is that your capacity is very, very low for what you say you want. And most of us who want to be deeply seen, we want to be understood, we want to be loved and supported. And in order for us to do that, we have to show up as our most authentic self. And that too takes practice and it takes an intention because a lot of times we were trained to be our best self. You got to be on your best behavior. I tell you that from your child, from your child, you got to be on your best behavior. You're going to go into this person's house. I don't want you to touch nothing. I don't want you to say anything. I want you to sit here. You want to smooth out your dress, close your legs, hands on your lap and say nothing. And so Mm. we have been trained as children, even into adulthood to, to present our best self. And it's not that it's not, it's it's not as if it was the wrong message. It's just what that message tells our brain. It tells our brain that any kind of flaw, anything that we might do that might be human is not going to be accepted in certain situations. And so we now translate that to be, we have to be the best possible versions of ourselves 
all the time. The super black woman. Exactly. If That's we what it looks under like. Under the pressure, if we have a moment, if we're upset, if we show a big emotion, it's not going to be accepted. We're going to be chastised like we were when we were kids. And so that is what we have to unlearn. And a lot of us suffer from that, even if they haven't really had a lot of trauma like I have with the women I serve, but many of us suffer with that whole superwoman um, syndrome where we always got to be wearing a cape. We always have to have this mask on. We always have to present as the most perfect versions of ourselves, not understanding that in doing that, it doesn't give people the opportunity to see who we really are mm -hmm. so that they can now get to know that version of ourselves because being seen deeply by someone who sees our most authentic self mm -hmm. is how we actually feel like we belong and then that is what builds the kind of connectedness that's going to give us the relationships that we've always yearned for and that's what we need to learn how to do and showing up as that person flaws yeah. and all is hard to do because you you're risking rejection like let's be clear you're you're risking rejection you you are you, you are. really are but you have to be okay with that because anything that you want in terms of like just being aligned with the kind of people that really want to be in your space and can see you and can support you like getting to that is worth it if the few people who don't belong in your life anyway feel like you know so uncomfortable by you that they want to leave like people leaving is a gift yes all the time when people leave when the wrong people leave that's a gift because now it has increased your capacity for the people who are best aligned with you, who are going to be able to support you as you grow and who want to see who you really are. Like if you always have to wear a mask with the people around you, those are the wrong people because it's exhausting. It is. You feel it really so is. drained afterward. You feel so unfulfilled and nobody wants to live their life like that. And many people are which is how we get to this emotional unavailable state and why a lot of us are so emotionally stunted because we don't get to explore who we really are as individuals and show people that. Erica, uh, excuse me. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Patrice said, it's just some people that don't want to do the work they mm -hmm. drain you. Oh, this is what I was trying to look for. Perfectionism was my heaviest burden to bear. And it birthed the people-pleasing spirit in us and striving for performance-based love. Yes, yes, yes. That's not a mic yes. drop right Okay, there. Erica hit it right on the head. As usual. Performance-based love. And the people pleasing, that is something that fatherless daughters do expertly. Okay? Expertly. Girl, me too. All right? Okay, I am recovering from that now. Trust me. <laughs> and it is a journey that I am likely going to be on for the rest of my life. And I tell people all the time, healing is not a fixed point. It's it a journey. I used it's to think journey. it was, mm -hmm. but... <laughs> 
And somebody um, had said something that I wanted to address of even about that, like healing is not a fixed point. They were like, that's why you have to get your mental together before you start dating. And I feel like that is a misconception that a lot of us think. Like we have to be completely healed before we can start dating. And that's not the case. That's not even true. You're never going to be 100% um, healed. There's always going to be something that comes up. There's always going to be some kind of trigger that may bring you back to something from your childhood. It's how you deal with it. It's whether or not you have the capacity to feel those feelings, let them go and move forward. But whenever you are on a healing journey, you can absolutely date and you can bring people in on that as well. Because a mm-hmm. lot of people, a lot of people will actually support you on that journey and they want to see how you evolve and what have you. Exactly. Like you don't, you don't want to get into relationships like, you know, a basket case, but you can absolutely be dating when you're still healing because now you actually need to have what we call disaffirming um, experiences. And disaffirming, disaffirming experiences is where you are experiencing something that disaffirms something that you that you experienced when you were younger. So, for instance, if you I'm a fatherless daughter, I have never experienced um, a father figure like being a covering or a protection or something for me. That's right. never been my experience. So I don't know what that feels like. So now when I'm in relationships with men and I attract men who are protectors, who are providers and what have you, and they they display that to mm-hmm. me, where it's like, you know, they want to protect me. They want to provide for me. It feels foreign because I did not experience that growing up, but having a person in my life who continues to do that for me and shows me the opposite of what I experienced and it's healthy it is called a disaffirming experience. And you actually need to have experiences like that in order for you to complete your healing. Wow. What happened to you happened in relationship, even though it was a broken relationship. Right. You're not going to be healed fully until you experience the opposite of what triggered you and what made you um, what made you have this trauma in a healthy relationship with somebody who shows you time and time again that they want to be here, that this is what they want to do for you, that they want to provide for you, that they want to create this safe space with you until you're able to experience the opposite of what traumatized you, the healing is not going to be complete. And this is why healing happens in community. This is why you can actually date the right kind of people when you're healing, because those kind of experiences are necessary for your healing to actually take root and for you to be able to see that there's different out there and in experiencing it in your body and feeling what that's like and now having these new memories in your brain now figuring out, oh, this is what this feels like and stuff like that. That is how we are able to now say we can now attract the kind of relationships that we want. And now mm-hmm. we can see exactly what we want because we've experienced it and it feels safe here now. I don't have to go back to what was familiar before because this new norm is really what I've always yearned for. And now I'm receiving it. And my mm. mind and my body is now getting accl- acclimated to what that's like because that's what I wanted. You are saying something. My God. Let me tell you something. Girl. (laughs) I love what Erica said that healing has no destination. Mm. And the more you heal and work, mm, 
actively work on healing yourself. You're freeing up all. It's like that um, like that air that balloon that goes up, and you just taking the bundles of the bricks off and just letting it go. And as you go higher, you truly are vibrating higher. You're going to attract someone that's vibrating higher. You know, if you've been at a four or two, yeah, that's what is common and you're attracted to that subconsciously because I, I can see now, even when I talk to some of my new friend groups with this new self-awareness, just the bullshit that we don't put up with and it's common, but we let some things go so that we can attract better new something ref- healthy healthy yes. yes you know girl you're getting so much love um we have um some claps <laughs> and bernadette is amazing oh thank you and um she is dope.com and is thank you <laughs> <laughs> wow i just hit 200 subscribers thank you for the update what the funk yeah i love it <laughs> Now I need 200 more. Let's get That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Adrian, guess what? You are a black girl that has her shift together. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you will come on again. I didn't even say everything I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, you were just <laughs> dropping gems. I knew this was good. Oh, wait. Adrian said that <laughs> this is better than church. <laughs> well, you know what? We got to get our, our internal together too, yeah. our self-awareness together, our emotional intelligence together. Because if not, we're going to be in that same hamster wheel and nobody has time for that. You know, we are all born perfectly made. Mm-hmm. It's just other people put their traumas on us and then right. here we are. <laughs> right. Having to do damage control. Absolutely. And then sometimes you don't even know that you're even having to do damage control. But then if you go back and look at all your relationships you've had. (laughs) You can see the pattern. You you can can see see the the pattern. pattern. Yeah. And it shows you how you were feeling about yourself subconsciously. Not even. Yes. Yes. And that's what I teach with the relationship autopsy, how to recognize those patterns so that you can do something about it. Mm. Any parting words? I mean, you the gems you've been dropping, sis. <laughs> um, I think the, the thing that I want to leave your audience with is that you deserve amazing relationships. Yes. And that needs to be a mantra. You deserve amazing relationships. Nothing that you've done, no experience that you have disqualifies you from that. So the moment that you're able to really sit in that and accept that, you start to move differently with yourself first and then with others at the end of that. And Mm -hmm. so if there's anything that I would leave, it would be to understand that you deserve amazing relationships Mm -hmm. and to know that those relationships are first going to start with the relationship that you cultivate with yourself. Yes, ma'am. Doing that. In doing that, not only do you build up your own capacity for what you can handle for yourself first, but it starts to give you the capacity to deal with other people in the kinds of relationships that you've always yearned for. But it starts with you. So that's what I would say. Oh, Bernadette, you are amazing. 
For real, for real. You really are. I'm so honored and blessed that we met the way we met. Yes. You know, again, we both had, we didn't know each other. We're working on our (laughs) self-awareness, cultivating our self-mastery. And then we had people come into our lives and then we met on a live Mm -hmm. and the energy was just pinging everywhere. At least that's how I felt that night. It was amazing. And I learned something from every one of you ladies. I really have. Yeah. I reached out. Yeah. I'm really happy that you did. It was an honor being here. I love this conversation. It's almost like, you know, we can talk about this stuff for hours. You know, I still remember the first conversation we had over the phone and we was like, we didn't even want to get off the phone. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) This has been really great. And I just thank you for trusting me with your audience. Oh, absolutely. It was a no brainer. It was a no brainer. Um, I told you, Seven minutes into the live, we were on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm calling her. Let me stay on track with today's live right now. But after, and I told Erica and Tashara, I was like, oh, I'm reaching out to this sister. I'm glad that you did. So um, you all, thank you so much for engaging in, oh, (laughs) Adrian said, hallelujah, salvation and glory. (laughs) Oh my God. So you all make sure and tune in because next week, like I said, I'm going to have my shadow coach on uh, Code Knox and the conversation, the topic is going to be about holding your firm boundaries during this holiday season with your toxic ass family members. You know, we've all been working again on self-development. Don't let a day of turkey F all of that up just because you're around these toxic family members or don't become toxic again yourself. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. So tune in. And also I have a fun show on the 17th. And then... um. Uh, one more show on Thanksgiving Eve and then I'm going on hiatus. And before I get off, I want you all to look at this flyer. This Saturday, I am also on a, I have these beautiful co-hosts. Um, let's see, let me get this off of here first. Hold on one moment. There we go. So Saturday, November 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am a co-host with two beautiful ladies, Tashara Lamar and Erica Warren. And the name of our show is Talking Dope Shift After Dark. And our topic is going to be about religion and sex. I've already had some inboxes. People already, they cannot wait to come uh, to come on and watch that show. But that's what's going on. So it's on Instagram. So if you all just log in, but you have to make sure and follow me so that you can see the live stream. In addition to following people, please make sure follow Bernadette. I dropped her link in the show, in the comments, as well in the show description notes. And share this video. It's needed. It's needed. So you won't have to be on the the autopsy, the relationship autopsy (laughs) table. (laughs) All right, you all have a beautiful weekend. See you Saturday at 8 p.m. on Talking Dope Shift on Instagram. Thank you, Bernadette. Stay on, okay? Mm -hmm.
Good night, everyone. Sisters manifesting their dreams Get your cream by any means And being with self-esteem Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean The way you fit in them jeans You eat your cornbread and greens Dance to a doctor Red wine or vodka Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra Retwist your locks and realign your chakras Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip Adjust your crown You guys get to the world, sis Celestial body, drink your water Meditate, sun kiss goddess Heavenly order, levitate Tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. You black girls. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like comment and share this episode with two of your friends thank you and i love you all this for the queen sisters manifesting their dreams get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem beauty supreme and booty walk so mean the way you fit in them jeans you eat your cornbread and greens or a doctor, red wine or vodka Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra Retwist your locks and realign your chakras Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis Celestial body, drink your water Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order Levitate, tribe of Ashanti Black girl magic, melanin popping Whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage You a gift and a treasure You got to love a black girl getting a shift together Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. 2020 has proved that we must be prepared for the unexpected, which is why you should contact an Edward Jones financial advisor like Tom DeLeo Day. Contact him at 770-466-0031 to schedule an appointment. Tell him Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together sent you.